This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Nice, very good. You can applaud that if you want. I saw people want to applaud Life News. <laughs> so good. Well, we're going to continue our series. Listen, are you listening? I feel like I should be in primary school. Have we got our ears turned on? Are we ready? Are we up for it? Are we leaning in, leaning forward? Do we believe God speaks? Do we believe God might want to speak to us this morning? So let's lean in and listen. Now, last week, Jeff started this series uh, brilliantly, and like he said, I can say it. He said it as well, but I can say it as well. It was an excellent start to our series, uh, and you can uh, catch up with that on the YouTube. Uh, But as he was preaching last week, I just, you know, this image on the screen, I I did think there might be some people in the room that have never seen an actual cassette tape before. Uh, certainly, certainly in the yellow room, in the Noise Sundays. If you're in the Noise Sundays right now, then you can chat about this. Have you ever seen a cassette tape before? Anyone in the room, I'm particularly looking at maybe the second row, anyone in the room never seen or played a cassette play before? Okay, okay. So we all know what a cassette tape is. And as I saw this, uh, as I saw this image, it, it took me back. It took me back to my teenage years where I don't know if anyone else in the room did this. I was born in the 80s, but grew up in the 90s. So on a Sunday afternoon, as they played uh, the charts, the, the uh, Radio 1 charts, I would uh, record. I'd make my own mixtape. I think now we call it a playlist. But I would make my own mixtape of this is a great song, love this song. Somewhere graduated from like pop music to like cool music and uh, you know, made my own mixtapes. And then when I was 13 years old, I bought my first album. And I think it's like a statement, isn't it? It's like a moment of this is me deciding what kind of music I like, what kind of person uh, I am. Now before I reveal my first ever album, because I brought it, I bought this in 1995 when I was 13 years old at a summer camp. I think it cost me £10. Yeah, or £9.99 for whatever reason. £9.99 for an actual cassette tape, 1995. I will show you that in a minute. But I'd love to know, what was your first album? Maybe it, was the first, maybe it was a record. Maybe it was in the era of the record. Maybe it was a single. Maybe it was an album. But what's the first piece of music you remember buying? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to maybe even just talk to the person next to you. Some of you are doing this already. What was your first ever album? It might have been a record. It might have been a tape player. It might have been a CD. Could it have predated a record? I'm not sure. What was your first ever musical purchase, first ever record, album. Okay, let's let's hear a few people. I know it's not school, but you can put your hand up if you want to tell me. Either tell me what your first one is, or you can uh, tell tell what someone else's was. Yes, sir. Sergeant Pepper's on the house. That is class. Very, yes, awesome. As well. Okay, two for the Beatles, yes. David Bowie, Aladdin Sane, amazing, yes. I cannot remember, I'm too old. <laughs> yes. Sorry, let's go for Trisha and then Dan. Yeah. Donny Osmond. If you, 
oh, I heard two different noises then. <laughs> I heard a, ooh, and a, ooh. <laughs> uh, if you're on the live stream, then you can tell us as well. Tell us there. Dan, yes. JLS. <laughs> uh, yes. Whoa, Jimmy Ruffin. Okay, I don't know who that is, but amazing, amazing. Oh, sorry, sorry. Was there someone else? Was there so? Yes, last, oh, last two. We'll have Bernadette. Yes, a single. Elton John, Crocodile Rock, and the last one, Dave. Led Zeppelin. Okay, that could be a winner right there. Well, this was my, this is the tape. I still have it. Anyone else still, still got tapes? Everyone still got video play, a video, even though you don't have a video player anymore. I still have this tape. I'm allowed to keep this tape. Some of my tapes have gone. But this was my first ever album, an actual real life tape from 1995. The artist was Alanis Morissette. The album was Jagged Little Pill. Why don't we listen to a few seconds of this? There we go. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the good advice that you just couldn't take. Amazing. So that was my first ever album, 1995. Music has an ability, doesn't it, to transport us to another place. As you've mentioned, all these artists, maybe memories came flooding back, 1995. Born in the 80s, but definitely my musical uh, palette is the 90s. But as I'm talking about tapes, there's one tape I can't not share with you. That was my first ever album. I think this was an album my dad bought. And partly I want to show you because of just the cool display. Like that is a box set. And I think there's two tapes in there. Um, now, this was a, an artist that in the 80s was kind of the soundtrack to my, child, my childhood. In the house that I grew up in, uh, there was Michael Jackson, Queen, and Keith Green. Uh, Keith Green in the, in the 80s was a massive influence for my, for my parents. And then as a child, kind of formed some of my soundtrack. And then in the 90s, when I came to faith, he also formed a lot of the soundtrack of my defining moments, my teenage years. So why don't we have, why don't we have 10 seconds of a bit of Keith Green? Come on. You can sing along if you know it. The work on earth is done. Beautiful, beautiful. You give yourself a round of applause. Very nice. Very nice. We had that at our wedding, didn't we? No, we did. That is there is a redeemer. That is there is a redeemer. That was, um, <laughs> yeah, I had that at my baptism, at our wedding, and maybe other important moments in my life in the future. Uh, but just a song that speaks to me and yeah, these, these songs, they transport us, don't they? They take us to another place. As soon as I saw that cassette image uh, for our series, Listen, it just took me to another place of deciding who I wanted to be, the, the kind of person that I wanted to be. Music does that. The worship this morning, it's not just music, is it? The, the worship this morning, it wasn't just that it was great music and a great band. It's that something about music and worship takes us to another place. And I want to say to us this morning, God's Word does that. That when we listen, when we're attentive, when we're tuned into God's word, it takes us to another place. 
Sometimes it takes us back. You know, music often works as nostalgia, doesn't it? It takes us back to the good old days. You know, it takes us back to another era. Well, I don't think God's word just takes us back in time. It actually propels us into the future. You know, God's word transports us to another place. And I think there's another place that God wants to take you to this morning. It might be a place of truth. You know, when God's word speaks, it takes us to a place of truth. Too many people, too many people I meet, they live with a lie. You know, they live with a, a lie that dominates their narrative, a lie that dominates their story, things they believe about themselves or things they believe about the world around them, things they believe about God. They live from this posture of a lie that dominates their whole narrative. Well, this morning, I think God wants to transport us to another place that's shaped by his word and his truth. Maybe another place of revelation. Maybe you've been looking at the same circumstance in your life for a long time and keep coming up with the same conclusion. Well, maybe this morning, God wants to speak revelation and wisdom into your situation. Maybe it's faith. Maybe this morning, as God speaks to us, God's going to transport you. Just like music takes you to another place. Keith Green takes me to another place. You know, when we hear God's word, when we listen to God's word, it can take us to another place. And here's the, maybe the simplest thing I want to say this morning, but this might be the most profound thing for some people in the room this morning. God wants to speak to you. So I'd imagine in this room, and on the live stream and uh, in the Noise Sundays, I'd imagine most people have some kind of idea that God speaks. We have the Bible. You know, we have stories of God speaking. But maybe in your mind, God speaks to the person with the microphone. God speaks to the person at the front. God speaks to the leader, to the important people. Well, can I say this to us this morning? We're all the important people in the kingdom of God. And God wants to speak to you. This might be a really simple truth, but God loves you. God passionately pursues you. God wants you to pursue him. God wants your life to all be orientated around him, his word, his voice, his leadership, his direction. But actually, I believe this. God passionately pursues you. In the scripture, when God talks about his people, he often talks about them as his beloved it talks about them in those terms. You are loved by God. God loves you so much, he wants to speak to you. God loves you so much, he sent you his word, his spirit, and his son. So if you're ever thinking, God doesn't love me, God doesn't know me, God doesn't, God's not interested in me, well, think about that. He sent his son, his one and only son. He sent his spirit, and he gave us his word. He's given the, the whole creation, the world around us. He's given us each other. He's given us community. But God has given you his best. His son, his word, his spirit. God wants to speak to you. God loves you. And so we're going to go to a scripture this morning. We're going to go to a story in scripture uh, in the book of uh, 1 Samuel. And this is a story uh, all about a boy. Samuel, maybe 11 or 12 years old. Uh, Samuel was a longed-for child. His mother, Hannah, and we see this a lot, don't we, in Scripture, longed for children. Hannah longed to have a son. And when she had a son, she dedicated him to the Lord. Uh, she said, he will serve the Lord. He will learn to serve the Lord in his temple. So Samuel, as a, as a baby, uh, grew 
uh, in the temple under the, uh, the tutorship of uh, Eli, the high priest. And Eli's job was to train Samuel how to hear the voice of God. This whole series, Listen, is all about how to hear the voice of God. Now, Samuel, in this story, we believe is maybe 11 or 12 years old. And for the first time, he discerns the voice of God. He understands that God is speaking to him, that God is speaking into his life and his situation. And Samuel goes on to become the kingmaker. Samuel's actually a really pivotal character in Scripture. Samuel kind of pivots this era of the judges, which is quite chaotic in Israel's history. It's quite chaotic in the biblical story, this era of bloodshed um, and uh, just madness, chaos, where the judges preside over Israel. And then it leads to the era of the kings, where there's a sense of order and godly leadership, which ultimately uh, we have David is this model king, which points to Jesus as the king of kings. And Samuel is the one who anoints David. Samuel is the one who points towards Jesus. Samuel becomes the kingmaker. In this story, we'll see that Samuel was used by God because he listened to God. Samuel was used by God to change human history because he listened to God. So let's read this story. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 to 10. Let me just pray a moment. God, I pray as we hear your word, as we lean into this story, as we lean into this scripture, I pray that like Samuel, we would listen. I pray that our prayer would be, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 to 10. It's going to be on the screen. This is the NIV version. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I'll pause. I'll pause every now and then. I'll pause there. You might feel like that. You might feel like um, you've not, you're struggling to hear the voice of God. Maybe you feel like God has been silent. In this era, they, 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 they sensed that God wasn't speaking. They, there weren't many prophets. There weren't many visions. There weren't many godly leaders. Is God speaking? I believe God is speaking all the time. But in this story, there was a sense of where is God? Maybe that's been your story for the past few years. Where is God? One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. The lamp of God had not gone out, yet gone out. That tells us it's about one o'clock in the morning, where the ark of God was. Then, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back. Lie down. Turn off your music. Turn off your tablet. Go to bed. <laughs> now Samuel, verse 7, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, 
Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went down and lay in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's going to be our prayer this morning. That's going to be our posture this morning before God. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In a few few moments' time, when we come towards a response, I'm going to invite you to think about something in your life, a situation or maybe a question that you have, something that you're wrestling with at the moment. And I'm going to invite us to hold that before God and pray this simple prayer. Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. God is speaking, but are we listening? That's the question, isn't it? God is speaking. God has given us his word, the Bible, his son, his spirit, a community, Christians all around us. Like We live in the most resourced era of human history. God is speaking, but are we listening? Uh, In his book, I'm going to read from this great book in a moment. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer, the author, recounts a conversation between two well-respected church leaders. Uh, One's called John Altberg and one's called Dallas Willard. Let me read you their conversation. So John calls up Willard, Dallas Willard, and asks, what do I need to do to become the me that I want to be? What a good question. So John Altberg, a respected church leader, what do I need to do to become the me that I want to be? There's a long silence on the other end of the line. According to John, With Willard, there's always a long silence at the other end of the line. Do you know those kind of people? Sometimes they take a long time to answer because they're drawing deep. You know, they're drawing deep on a well of wisdom. And they're not just giving a quick answer, a knee-jerk response. They're thinking deeply, praying deeply. This is Dallas Willard's response. Then, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John scribbles that line down in his journal. And then asks, okay, what else? What else must I do? Willard responds, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. End of story. God is speaking. Are we listening? Or are we so busy? Is our life so noisy? Is our life so full? Are there so many demands and so, so many things that we fill our days with, so many things that we're squeezing into our time that we've squeezed out the voice of God. I love this idea. You must ruthlessly, I'm not a very ruthless person, but you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That's the key to the spiritual life. Why? Because too many of us are too busy to listen to God. Our lives are too full to hear the voice of God. One more thing from, um, from this book. This is about the power of the smartphone, or maybe the curse of the smartphone, I'm not sure. A recent study found that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. (laughs) Now, I'm not criticizing everybody, uh, uh, sorry, anybody, because I'm definitely part of this category. Each user is on his or her phone for two and a half hours over 76 sessions. As in, you pick it up, do something, put it down. 
76 times during the day, touching the phone over 2,000 times a day. And that's for all smartphone users. Another study on millennials puts the number at twice that. In every study I read, most people surveyed had no clue how much time they lost to their phones. And he says a lot more. There's a whole section in this book about busyness. How are you doing? Oh, busy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. I'm really busy. Are we too busy for God? Is it that we're is it that God's not speaking? Or is it that we're so busy, our lives are so full that we're missing the voice of God? I've got three ideas for us this morning to help us listen. Like Samuel, learning to listen. Like Eli helped Samuel on this process to learn to listen to the voice of God. Here's my first idea. Maybe we need to turn off to tune in. What if God is speaking? What if the creator of the universe, the one who holds the whole thing together, incredible wisdom, I was talking to a friend this week who talked about unlimited love and unlimited wisdom being available to all of us all the time. That's a pretty great thought, isn't it? So the, the one who holds up the whole universe together, unlimited wisdom, unlimited, unconditional love available at all times, wants to speak to us right now and maybe we're missing it. Because we're so full. Our lives are so full. There's too many apps open. There's too many noises. Our lives are so busy and so full. Maybe we need to turn off to tune in. And tune in, like again, we live in a culture where we don't really have to learn how to tune in. Because everything's on demand. You turn it on and it works straight away. But others in this room will remember times where you have to work to tune into something. And you don't always get it right the first time. I love in this story, Samuel thinks it's Eli. And Eli, well, who knows what Eli's thinking? Eli just thinks Samuel is making excuses to get up in the night or whatever it might be. And then Eli realizes God is talking to Samuel. And Samuel, the third time, the third time gets it, the third time he tunes in, he leans in. Here's a simple question for all of us to ask this morning. What noises or voices do I need to turn off in order to tune in? Are there some noises? Are there some noises or voices that are too loud in our lives? Are there some noises or voices that are too loud that we need to turn off, even if it's just for a moment? Even if it's just, I need some quiet space. Once a day, once a week, I need to carve out some quiet space to turn off so I can tune in to the voice of God. That's my first bit of maybe wisdom for us this morning. If we want to listen to God, maybe there's some things we need to turn off so that we can tune in. Second idea, to know his will, we need to get to know his voice. I meet lots of people who want to know the will of God for their life, but then they don't read the Bible or listen to the Bible or uh, listen to the voice of God or listen to wisdom. And it's, it's kind of, there's a disconnect, isn't there? There's a dissonance there of God, tell me what, what you want me to do with my life, but I'm not going to listen. <laughs> if you want to know his will, then we need to get to know his voice. Picture the scene. I walk into our uh, living room and, and Brani, uh, my wife, is sat there and we're about to watch something on TV. And, uh, you know, it could be a drama, it could be a romance, it could be a comedy. Who knows uh, what the union's going to bring in terms of what we're going to watch. I walk in and I think, if, if... She nods her head three times, or if she crosses a leg in a certain way, or if she says this word, then I'll know. 
then I'll know what she wants to watch because she'll give me some kind of sign. There'll be some kind of sign that she is speaking and I will know her will uh, because uh, of what she does in this exact moment. Or I could just ask her. Or I actually don't need to ask her because I know what she likes to watch. I know she's probably going to watch football at this point. It's the Africa Cup of Nations final. Come on, tonight. There's football on TV. No. So I know it's probably not going to be live sport that she's going to want to watch in this moment together where we're watching something. It's probably going to be this crime drama. I know that already because I know her. Now, so many of us treat God like that where we're like, God, just give us a random sign. God, if you give us some kind of, or this sign out there, um, I'm going to take that as God speaking to me. Here's some wisdom. Why don't we ask God and why don't we listen to his voice? Why don't we go to his word? Why don't we spend time in his presence? Why don't we spend time with his people? That's how we hear the voice of God. So it's not, we don't have to live by random signs. And sometimes God speaks to us that way. And, and scripture backs that up. You know, there are times in the Bible where God speaks through a sign. But here's what's interesting. That's often when people are going the wrong direction. When you actually look at that, often when, when God speaks in a dramatic way, like a whale, uh, or uh, a bright light in the sky, it's when someone was going the wrong direction. So if you want God to speak to you in a dramatic way, what you're actually saying is, God, I want to do everything wrong so that you speak to me dramatically. <laughs> now, if you'd rather just walk with God, then you can listen to his voice, get into his word, be with other Christians, other people who, are, who hear the voice of God, listen to the voice of God, spend time in his presence to know his will, we need to learn his voice. And my last idea, and the band can come and join me. We talked last week, and I'm talking again this week about maturity. We want people to be spiritually mature, learning and knowing the voice of God. But I love in this story that God speaks to a child, an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old. God speaks to a child or a young person, however you might define 11 or 12-year-old. God speaks to a child. God speaks to a young person. And I think there's something in that. I think there's some wisdom in that of being childlike. That if we want to grow up, if we want to be spiritually mature, then there's something about being soft within. Something about being childlike. Not childish. God's not calling us to be childish. He's calling us to be spiritually mature. But there's something about being soft I want us to think just for a moment about being hard-hearted and soft-hearted. Some people become hard-hearted. Here's what hard-hearted sounds like. Cynical, cold, unmoved, lacking empathy. So those kind of people might look mature, but in their hearts, they're hard-hearted. They're cold, cynical, unmoved, lacking empathy. I believe to be spiritually mature, we need to be soft-hearted. What does that look like? Innocent, able to embrace wonder, empathetic. I love that in this story, Samuel believes God might be talking to him. In an era where it appears God isn't talking to the prophets, in an era where it appears that God is silent, a little boy, Samuel, 11 or 12 years old, goes, I think this might be the God of the universe speaking to me. There's something about innocence. There's something about embracing wonder that I love in Samuel. 
And that I believe for each one of us, for you in the, uh, in the yellow room, the noise Sundays, you know, we believe that God speaks to children and young people. And even this morning, we believe God might be speaking to you, that God might be wanting to speak to you on the live stream, that God wants to speak to you. For everyone in this room, this isn't just for the children and for the young people. This is for the younger heart. This is for the soft-hearted. This is for those who have that childlike nature that might believe that God still speaks, that might believe that God even wants to speak to you, that God wants to speak into you, that God wants to speak into your situation, that God wants to transport you to another place, a place of truth, a place of freedom, a place of revelation, a place of faith. So here's what we're going to do. The band are just going to play really softly and really simply behind us. And I'm going to invite us to listen. I've spoken for a while, but the God of the universe wants to speak. I believe God's speaking through me, through his word, but I believe God wants to speak to you. So like I said earlier, it might be that you've got a situation, a question, something that you want to hold before God that you want wisdom on, that you want revelation on, that you want God's perspective on. And here's a simple prayer. Lord, speak, your servant is listening. Or speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So that's the prayer. I'll pray that one more time. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking and just have this space where we can listen to God's voice. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to gain touch via at LifeLanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.